Welcome to another episode. Oh, nope, never mind. It's another one of these. Uh, this is Christian. Turns out this year we all got plans. I'm getting married over the summer. Uh, Amanda's going to be at the wedding. They won't let Bobby cross the border due to his sordid past, but we are meeting up in Paris to celebrate the storming of the Bastille. Emilio, ever hard at work, has a birthday coming up where he promises to never shave again. Nick is flying to California to do world building on the latest Warhammer universe called Everyone Sucks and I'm an Orc. Anyways, we're recording some filler episodes that are not our regular programming. Basically, shameless fan service to our listeners. If this is your first time tuning in, I'd suggest tuning out. Give it up for a get-to-know-ya conversation with San Diego's most notorious Soylent drinker and general bon vivant, Bobby. Is that my cue to jump in here? I guess, I guess it is. What did you think of that? Uh, has anyone called you? Thanks, man. Has, has anyone called you a bon vivant before? That's the first time. Of course, I haven't been in, into any French-speaking countries, so maybe that's why. Yeah, it'll probably happen instantly as soon as you walk off the plane. Uh, I do have a question. What do you think of the name Robert? Robert? I like it better than Bobby. I'll tell you that. It's kind of a long joke that I have with uh, a lot of people because several people know me as Bobby and several people know me as Robert. It's like I'm living two different lives here. And this has been going on a lot longer than most people think. It's really funny. I was dating a girl in high school for a little while. Her name was Nicole. And she called me Robert, but everybody else, literally everybody else at the school called me Bobby and everybody else, all of her friends called her Nikki. So it was, I don't know, it was really strange. But yeah, at work, most people know me as Robert, um, except for the site that I used to work and everybody there calls me Bobby. And it's just really awkward when I go out with my girlfriend because she never knows how people are going to refer to me. Um, <laughs> I did have a situation arise one time with the confusion between the name Robert and Bobby. I think it was about two, 2015, I bought a monitor online and I was going to pick it up at Best Buy and I bought it through eBay. So when I went to go pick it up, my name in eBay was Bobby. And when I picked it up, I showed them my driver's license, which shows Robert. And the people behind the counter would not believe me. They did not understand that Bobby and Robert were interchangeable. And I'm sitting there like an idiot trying to explain it to them. And I'm looking around at everybody else. I'm trying to get people involved that are standing in line. Like, come on, you know, Bobby, Robert. You know? <laughs> and like, everybody is just looking at me, hands up. Like, I don't want to get involved in this. You're making a scene. And so I walked out of there without my, without my monitor, very upset. But I called customer support, got it cleared up. And uh, happy ending, I got the monitor. That's crazy, man. Do you want us to start calling you Robert if you like it better? No, I think it's all right. I actually don't mind. I mean, I consider when people call me Bobby, it's more personal. Um, so I feel like that's appropriate for uh, all my friends here in uh, DLG. But um, Robert just seems a lot more professional. Bobby just seems like a little kid name, you know? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. I've never known a Robert or a Bobby, so I, I couldn't tell. I have no prior conditioning to to these really? but i would i would call a kid bob like no offense but like if i had a kid and decided to name him robert which would be kind of weird i would call that kid bobby i think yeah bobby's the kid version mm. of and robert just sounds like someone with like a huge 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 mustache that's like 
handlebar bigger than the sides of his face. That's what I think of when I think of Robert. It's a bit of a distinguished name. Yeah. Although I do like the, uh, the French pronunciation Robert. So maybe I'll just start going <laughs> yeah. by that. I don't know. Just drop the T. Yeah. I really don't care just as long as you don't call me Bob. And if anyone's listened to the show a long, long time, they know this was quite a point of contention between me, Emilio and Chad. They would just always call me Bob. And I would just be like, you guys got to stop calling me Bob. Bob is my dad's name. And so it's just really weird for me to be called Bob. <laughs> so many. It's, it's, even, it's even more ridiculous than Bobby too. I think Bob is just a ridiculous name. <laughs> There's so many ridiculous layers to, uh, to this name. I didn't expect this question to go on this long. So that that's good. Um, shifting gears away from Robert, Bob and Bobby, when will you be directing, uh, your first feature film? If you haven't already, you know, secretly in one of these lives that you live. Oh my God. I would never want to direct. Everybody says they want to direct and they have no idea what they're getting themselves into. That's such a horrible position to be in. I, I would never want to do that. I want to be like, I don't know, script advisor or first AD or, or director of photography, something like that, like where I'm still working hard, but uh, I don't have to make all the decisions. That's, uh, that is definitely not for me. Damn. Okay. Could have used you on uh, that kind of mentality on Star Wars as one till three, perhaps. Um, if you had to... Well, I don't know about direct. If, if you had to be in one of these positions that you want, what kind of film would you like to to work on? Is there like an idea, like maybe you have like a, a Western or a certain type of movie? Honestly, I love all types of movies, but the only type of movie I could ever see myself making would be documentary. Like, uh, I, I don't know, not even like nature documentary or anything like that, but just, you know, like human interest stories. Um, those are the films that I just, I don't know. I took a documentary class a, a couple years ago. It just totally changed the way that I looked at movies and their impact. And I, I don't know. I love working in that kind of area. Although I do have a lot of really good Star Wars ideas. I've got, I feel like I could fix the Star Wars universe, get them back on track. Same, man. Uh, except mine, my ideas are obviously, uh, and no offense, by the way, but they're better than yours. Um, have you ever boiled an egg and why or why not? Boiled an egg. It must have happened at some point in my life that I've boiled an egg, but maybe not. I don't spend a lot of time in the the kitchen. I feel like it's a bit of a waste of a time, a waste of time. And I know that's kind of a heresy to a lot of people <laughs> out there, but I just feel like we live in the modern world. There's food abundant. That it's it's such a a time sink to prepare your own food. I don't know why people do it. Yeah, I mean, I just, I was late to this because I made my homemade delicious pork tacos just the way I like them, but it, it did take longer than I thought. So maybe maybe you're onto something, and, and maybe you're not, you know? There's, uh, I think there's a little bit to be said, seasoning and spicing your own, your own stuff, and also I just find cooking fun. So if you're, I've heard this before from other people too, if, you're, if you just don't enjoy cooking, then yeah, I don't, it, it doesn't really make that much sense to cook. Yeah, I don't enjoy cooking and I don't really have refined taste buds. I'll eat just about anything and I like just about everything. So I'm not a picky eater. Is there anything unique about your day-to-day -day routine? Unique? Mm -hmm. No, I work a very, 
a, a pretty mundane job, although I do like it a lot. And uh, everything I do is very unexciting. And I know that makes for a great interview, but uh, yeah, <laughs> there's there's nothing that exciting that I do anymore. I, I feel like I'm kind of past all the exciting points in, in my life. Um, it kind of surprises me that uh, people tune in to listen to me talk about video games once a week as if my opinion matters. So I don't know. <laughs> nice little slide, a little humble, uh, humbleness in there. I like, I like that. Um, but you have tried, or at least you've said before, and you've mentioned to me just like casually, like, oh yeah, I tried that. Oh yeah, I tried. I was like, dude, how many things have this guy tried? How many hobbies have you tried? Like if you had to count. Um, I don't know. I probably, I couldn't count. It's been a lot. I have a bad habit of trying everything and um, not wanting to give it up either. And uh, just trying to do too much. It's, um, I think it's a good attitude to have, but it's, uh, it's almost an addiction at some point. Um, I'll give you an example. Just recently I saw, I know you like to put in Discord what you're working on if it's not a game. So you'll be in Photoshop or whatever. And I noticed you're on Webflow. So I was like, Webflow, what's that? And I Googled it. And I'm like, oh, it's a website designer. So I created a free account. And then I spent like an hour playing around with it and just <laughs> learning, learning the insides and outs of it. I don't like it as much as Elementor. I'll, I'll say that. And I'm much more comfortable uh, with, with WordPress and that content management system. But it's a pretty handy little little tool there yeah i'm making uh that's so hilarious dude i uh uh i i I get i get it i get it uh i'm kind of like that too for uh, a couple things not to the same extent as as you by by far it sounds like but i do think it's important to well that kind of sounds stuck up but it's important to keep uh, like a learning mentality as you kind of go through life and stuff it makes me sad when people kind of say like the last thing they learned was um in high school or like the last thing they really got into and they're just kind of um filling their life with a lot of entertainment which isn't necessarily a bad thing but i don't know just leave a little room for uh for learning new things i I feel like it's it's fulfilling to learn or at least i feel fulfilled when i learn something new so yeah yeah, and I get it. People get busy. Their lives get complicated. You you get jobs and kids and that takes up time. And, you know, that's that keeps you busy. And then you want to spend your free time just unwinding and relaxing. So that's super important to do. Um, but yeah, it it is nice to every now and then learn something new or challenge yourself. What is uh, one thing you're very proud of and would want people to know about? Oh, my God. Proud of? Whew. Um, a foreign is, emotion <laughs> is this where i'm supposed to say the podcast <laughs> no. i'm not gonna say it. no there's no predefines there's no pre but you uh okay let's set some boundaries you can't say this podcast but you also can't say uh can't say movies on the dl gotta be something that people might not know about oh god i was proud of that too i, I was <laughs> much more proud of that than the dl gaming podcast although i am very proud of our community i i love the community that we've built um, what, what am I proud of? I, I'm proud that I, I kind of got to play educator for a while, play teacher for a while, for almost 10 years, in fact. Um, I, in addition to like my other responsibilities at, at work, when I worked at a school site, 
I taught one period of video production. It was an elective. So, you know, low stakes. Nobody really cares too much about that. And um, I, I wouldn't dare call myself a teacher because teaching one period a day of an elective is nothing compared to what actual teachers do. But it did, it, it totally changed the way I looked at a lot of things. I've worked around kids for a very, very long time. I've worked in classrooms and, and around students, but I even co-taught for a couple of years. But once I was the only person up there in front of the class every day, like it was it, nothing had prepared me for that. It was totally different. And it's a, it's a very rewarding thing too. I mean, it's a tough job and I'm not cut out for it. I don't even like kids, man. I, I know you, you yeah. said that before, so I'm su surprised that you, uh, that you're I proud of this all the time. I, I tell my <laughs> students all the time. I don't even like you guys, but, uh, <laughs> but it is really rewarding when like a kid comes back like four years later to come see you and you're trying to like, remember their name, like who the hell was this kid? And of course, sometimes it's even like the kids that were a real pain in the ass. And I don't know, sometimes they, they just realize like, they understand like, oh yeah, this guy totally put up with me. And, but uh, yeah, it's like the kid that was like the biggest pain in the ass. And then four years later, they're like, oh, you were my favorite teacher. Really? Okay. It did not seem like it, <laughs> but that's cool. And I'm not sentimental at all. Like I don't hang on to a lot of things and um, I, I don't believe in hanging on to a lot of stuff or pictures or, or anything like that. But I, I saved every single like thank you note or, or letter or appreciation letter I ever got from a student. Those are always very important for me. And uh, it's kind of sad in the position that I work at now. I don't interact with the kids as much. Um, it, it's sad and it's good because, again, I do not like kids. Uh, in fact, I was talking to a coworker the other day and she she asked me, do you miss the kids? And and I smiled and said, you're supposed to say yes, right? Like, that's the answer here. Like, we all say <laughs> yes, but we're all just like, oh, thank God. And, and she totally knew what I was talking about. I think when you work in education, the further away you get from the kids, the, the easier it gets. The, um, this custodian that I worked with would always make a joke like, uh, you know, this place wouldn't be a bad place to work if it wasn't for the kids, which is hilarious because it's a school and like the whole point of us existing is the kids, right? But um it's true. It is a, a tough job and it burns you out. It's a lifestyle job. Like it just, it takes over your, your whole life. It becomes like your personality. If you don't let it, then you may not be a very good teacher, honestly. Like I, I haven't seen too many teachers that can um, just like turn it off at the end of the day, you know? Um, but I don't know, maybe some people are better at setting boundaries than, than me. I think, uh, I don't know, man, I'm over here psychoanalyzing you as is every listener. And I think, uh, I think you think that if you repeat, you don't like kids over and over again, you will one day not like kids, but I feel, I feel it in your voice. I, I feel that, um, in some, in some area of your soul, it was important for you to have, have had that experience teaching. At least that's what I'm getting from what you're saying. That could be completely wrong, but I do have a quick story. Um, about uh, this weekend I went to a music festival. I saw my old uh, English teacher. Loved her. One of the best teachers I ever had. It, like totally inspired me to do some creative writing and uh, got me out of my comfort zone. And I don't know if it was like this for you when you're going to school, but like to be good at school was considered like uncool. And I always had this thing where that was in the back of my head. 
um anyway she was the first person to like bring bring that out of me and and it didn't matter as much when um i did something and it was recognized as being um you know not half bad um but i saw her over the weekend and uh we're talking for maybe 15 minutes and she looks at me and she's like, Oh, sorry. Uh, you look so much like your friend. Are you Andrew or Anthony? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm, my name is uh, actually Christian. And then you saw it on her face. She's like, Oh, Christian. Wow. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't recognize you. I thought, I thought, uh, I thought you were these two other kids. And I was like, it's okay. You were just, you were just, uh, it's fine. Yeah just one of my favorite teachers it's not it's cool it's whatever i will be okay with that <laughs> oh god yeah but you got to cut teachers slack in that situation because they'll roll through like sometimes 150 to 200 kids a year depending on you know what they're what they're teaching obviously and it's so hard to remember the names i had like 30 to 35 kids a year i could i could barely even remember all all my students but we do remember the teachers we really liked and they're, they're incredibly influential on us and I'll never have children. So in a way I, I feel like being an educator, being a teacher is uh, one small way that I was able to pass down my, my values or whatever to, to another generation or, or train them. And, you know, I, there's always the kids that you do like, right. There's always the good ones. And then there's some duds, you know, and it's challenges. So uh, it's, it's tough to say that, yeah, I don't like kids. Cause then there's always like a couple of them that get it right. There's just some that are just, <laughs> I don't like kids, but a couple of you, a couple of you out there, <laughs> a couple of you can stay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, that's funny. Um, why did you decide to learn French? Um, ooh, that I don't have a good answer for It's so funny because people always ask me that I live in San Diego. It makes absolutely no sense why I'm learning French and not Spanish. I'm surrounded by Spanish-speaking people everywhere I go. Literally, I walk out the door, people are speaking Spanish. I hear it multiple times a day, and yet I'm over here thousands of miles away from, from any French-speaking country, and I'm trying to learn French like in a vacuum, and it's extremely difficult. So I don't know. I took it in high school, and really the only reason that I took it is because I thought it was cool. I thought it was like fancy right? And the French teacher was pretty hot. So I took it for like a year and the French teacher got pregnant. I was like, that makes sense. And then we got this other guy who was like <laughs> new to teaching and he was not a great teacher, but he was from Bordeaux and he was, I, I really liked him. He was really cool. And um, he would talk all about France and I don't know, I just really liked it. And throughout my entire life after that, I always, it always bugged me again like i'm always trying to learn stuff and it's more of an addiction than like anything else like it bugs me when i don't know something so i would be reminded hear french in a movie or something like that like god damn it i never learned french so it always bugged me and then i had a lot of time during the pandemic a lot of downtime and i discovered duolingo and i was like this is pretty fun actually this is way better than uh rosetta stone which i've tried before and um I really got into it and you know, you're not going to learn a language just with Duolingo, but it, it kind of sparked the fire. And, uh, that's when I, I really got into it. And at the same time, I started watching a lot of French cinema Now their comedies are terrible. They're absolutely, I, I don't know. I guess it's like a cultural divide. I don't understand the humor, but, uh, I just, I don't agree with the way they structure movies either there and, uh, <laughs> more on the European side, but their horror movies are incredible and their dramas are really great. And there's just some like, outstanding 
uh, French movies, like some of the craziest stuff I've ever seen in the horror genre, are all these French movies, especially from the early 2000s when they had this movement called the, the New French Extremity, which is kind of similar to the, the torture porn thing we had going on here, um, you know, during Saw and Hostel and all that. Uh, it was kind of happening at the same time. But the, the thing about the French is they always, you know, they're so philosophical. So there's always these deep, like, philosophical themes that are playing out throughout the movie that add all this weight to, um, to the movies. And if you want some good recommendations, check out Raw. And uh, if you can stomach it, Titan, which is um, by the same director. Those are two amazing movies. And Martyrs, which uh, is... It's crazy too, but um, I haven't been able to bring myself to watch that one again. <laughs> what do you love about being on the podcast? Uh, being able to talk. I don't really talk this much in my normal life. And it surprises a lot of people when they realize I do a podcast because they consider me a very quiet person. And um, I don't know, I feel like everybody needs like some outlet they, they need to feel like they're heard. And, you know, that's a way for, for me to express myself. And um, I don't know, vent? Is vent what I'm trying to say? I don't know if that's the, the right word. Sometimes you do vent. You know, if a game has uh, one bug. <laughs> <laughs> I can be pretty strict. Yeah. But, I mean, I do like talking about video games, and I feel like it's a great way to talk about other things too. You know, we had a very interesting conversation about storytelling in one of our more recent episodes. And um, it was related to video games, but it was also on storytelling in general. But yeah, that's what I really love about the podcast. That and just the community that we built around it, which is pretty crazy because usually people get older and you separate from your friends, you lose that community and you kind of just go about your life with your significant other and and that's that. But um, I couldn't imagine going a day without popping in Discord and see what's going on, seeing what people are doing. Wow. That might surprise a couple people because, uh, well, may maybe not. Maybe yes, maybe no. But because um, you're not the most active. I, I feel like maybe you are a lurker. In the are you a lurker in your own community? I could be considered a lurker in my own community. <laughs> And it's not for any other reason other than I feel like I just never have anything valid to say. And when I do type things out, it's very deliberate and very thought over. And there's a lot of corrections and and um, thinking over before I hit that enter button and post it. It's uh, it's odd. You think I would just let things fly a little bit more, but but no, I um, I do not communicate too much in the Discord, and I probably should. Uh, but that's kind of like my life in general. Anybody who knows me knows that uh, I'm terrible about calling back and returning texts and being prompt with that kind of stuff and hey, initiating. <laughs> you've returned at least 50% of my texts, a number that is, I consider, quite high. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, another thing that you said, and it kind of ties into what you were talking about when you deliberately type stuff on Discord, um, I notice you're a really confident or... Um, yeah, maybe confidence is the right word. You when you talk, you know, once you get going, you can really go on. Uh, it seems like a bunch of subjects, and for you to say that you're a little bit more quiet and reserved in your private life, where do you in your private life, in your public, in your real life, where where did you get that? Uh, where did you build that skill? 
Or did it just come naturally? Uh, which skill are we referring to? Uh, when you talk, like when you talk, you can go on and on really confidently. And um, you're just like a really firm speaker. You know, if you notice on the podcast, you're very, uh, you know, deliberate and articulate. Uh, and you just have a good speaking voice. And when you're in front of the camera, you're a goddamn fucking maverick looking at the looking right into the lens, giving us all we need to get. Um, <laughs> I don't know about that, man. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I guess it's because honestly, I'm surprised that you would say that because I don't feel like that. I, I feel like I get on the podcast and I'm just like me, not like game, you know, like I just, I, when I, that's why I have a hard time listening to it afterwards is because I listen to every single mistake that I make and it drives me crazy. But I will tell you, if you go back and listen to the earlier, earlier episodes, it really was that bad. And just doing this every week for what, nine years now, you just naturally get better. And being on the podcast has probably improved my, my speaking abilities just, you know, not only on the podcast itself, but in my real life when I have to speak in front of people. It's, it's really helped. You become aware of the mistakes that you make. You actively try to correct them. You learn to form your thoughts and speak more articul articulately and be clear and try to, I don't know. For me, the biggest, the biggest realization that I had was start with a, a topic sentence and then describe it. I, when I was in high school, they had this uh, tactic for writing essays called CD Com Com. And I have no idea if they still do it, probably not. But it was uh, concrete detail, commentary, commentary. So you'd start with a concrete detail, which would be like a quote or a fact or a statement. And then you would do two lines of commentary, maybe three. And that would be your whole essay, uh, the body of your essay. Concrete detail, CD, com, com, CD, com, com, CD, com, com. And that's one paragraph right there. And I find it's much more easier when I, when I speak for people to understand me if I start out with just a very broad topic sen sentence and then I go in, into detail. And that sounds like a no-brainer. But honestly, when you are speaking for like two hours, it's actually very difficult to do because that's not the way that we communicate when we talk with people. So we, we learned a lot. Everybody on the podcast learned a lot just from experience. And you're doing this with other people as well. It's not just a one-man show. So you have to learn not to uh, step on people when, when they're talking and how to pass things off and segue and do all these other things, which I, I still don't know if we're that great at, but we're certainly a lot better than when we started. And I'll tell you one thing too, like there, there's actually a lot of preparation that goes into it for me. I think about what I'm going to say in advance. Like as I'm playing games, I'm, I'm making mental notes and I'm thinking about what I'm going to say and how I'm going to present that. And the day before the, prod, the podcast, when I'm doing my notes and I'm preparing, I, I've almost got planned out, not verbatim, but pretty close sometimes what I'm going to say. And that's kind of difficult to do when you're going into these situations too, because you don't want to come off too scripted. but um, you kind of have to be like, it is, it is a performance. You do have to rehearse. Otherwise you're just a couple of dudes and a girl in a room, just yakking away. And who wants to listen to that? Yeah. Well, maybe that's why you do come across as, <clears throat> I don't want to hurt anyone else's feelings, but maybe the most articulate on the podcast, you know? Um, uh, but days too, I asked her and she's a really confident speaker. And, um, she said that rap 
helps her formulate thoughts very quickly. And I feel like that comes across on the podcast um, almost instantly. You know, very few times does she ever flounder and she seems to know always exactly what she's talking about. And she doesn't really go on for, for too long, which is uh, which is also kind of a skill, especially when you're just talking and there's no like audience to gauge what the reaction is. Um, but what you said about going over your notes beforehand and then kind of knowing what you are going to talk about, I found it crazy when I was in the theater and uh, I would go over my lines over and over and over again. And there was a point where it, you ever just shoot like a, like a three pointer, like 10 in a row. And it's nothing you're thinking about. It's just the muscle memory has, to, it's like speech memory, right? Like, and whenever I've given speeches in, in front of other people or had to talk to um, a class of people uh, or present something, um, I kind of find that method works. Like, just go over and over and over your points. And then when you're up there, it's like you don't even really hold in your head what you're talking about because you know it so well. I don't know if that's what you do, but that's uh, something that's worked for me. What is one of your fears and what's scary about it? Uh, one of my fears, who, what am I afraid of? Nothing that exciting. Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe death, but that's gotta be a ways off, right? Maybe uh, <laughs> I gotta get 10, 20 years, I'd say. Yeah. Uh, public speaking. Uh, I don't know. I can like get myself to do just about anything and public speaking as difficult as that is. I feel like I can, um, uh, I can face that if I just kind of force myself to. I, I know I've told this story on the podcast before, but uh, I'll, I'll tell it again and feel free to skip past it. But I used to watch some internet show by Adam Green, a horror director, and he'd always ask people, what are you most afraid of? And people would always, he'd have these screen queens on who would say like, oh, I'm afraid of the dark or I don't like spiders or something. And then he had Sid Haig on, which if you don't know who Sid Haig is, he was uh, Captain Spaulding in the Rob Zombie movie. Um, the pretty famous actor died not too long ago. He's this old dude. And he asked him, what are you afraid of? And he said, the fact that we're in debt to the Chinese. And he goes off on this <laughs> real crazy tangent about how, you know, the U.S. government is um, trillions of dollars in debt to the Chinese and like what it means for us and our future and everything like that. And it was just like such an old man thing to do. But as you get older, you stop fearing the uh, uh, the stupid stuff, you know, like spiders in the dark and you become afraid of more serious things like taxes and uh, what's you know, what happens if you lose your job or, or things like that. So uh, all the fears that I have are probably related to, the, to, to things like that. Are you also scared of the Chinese? I'm okay with the Chinese. <laughs> um, what's one game everyone should play? One game that everybody should play. Definitely Deep Rock Galactic. That's always, I, I think everybody would enjoy that game. It's a pretty good crowd pleaser i like a lot of games that are very niche and i understand that and because of that i don't recommend them to people and if i do it's always with a caveat or a warning but a drg i think just appeals to to everybody uh you know maybe i some people do play it and they're like well it's not fast paced enough for me or or something but it, it's pretty rare that's generally a, a crowd pleaser and i just uh, I, I believe in that game and I believe in that development team because I just think they've made all the decisions that you want to see 
a, a game company make. They make those decisions that we say we want to see game companies make. And then when they make them, the game fails because nobody actually wants that. Like we say, we don't want microtransactions in our in our mobile games. But if you were to re release a mobile game without microtransactions, it would fail immediately. Um, but what it, Galact I don't know oh, about yeah. that. I don't know about that, Bowie. Sorry to interrupt your train of thought. Maybe. I mean, I'm sure there's examples that prove contrary to that. But uh, I just I, I feel like there's a lot of things people say they want. But then when we actually get them, uh, we don't say we want it with our wallets, you know. But right. Galactic has somehow managed to to pull it off, and they've built they built a great game and supported it and constantly updated. They've made money off of it, and they've treated their community with respect and not taken advantage of them. And that's just a rare thing these days. And I think just on that alone, I, I think Deep Rock Galactic is just one of the best games ever made. Yeah, and because of how they did that. Now they've like every game that Coffee Stain publishes or Coffee Stain Publishing publishes. Uh, I automatically I'm like, yep, I I believe that there's gonna be very few predatory things. I believe that they're going to stick to some sort of roadmap if they're releasing an early access. I think um, the game is probably gonna be fun. They wouldn't want to publish something or have something released that isn't like the base game loop isn't fun. Um, so they built themselves like a pretty good brand, I think, just by what they did on Deep Rock Galactic. Um, and that game is like a super good success story. And I agree. I think most people would would like to play it. Uh, what's the longest movie you've ever watched? The longest movie I've ever watched? So I've got two very long ones in my queue that one day I'll get to. Showa, which is like an eight or nine hour documentary on the Holocaust. Um, Steven Spielberg watched it like over and over and over again before he made his Holocaust movie, uh, Schindler's List. Um, it's an extremely, not only is it super long, but it's incredibly difficult to get through because of the imagery and the subject matter. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's taken me a while to get to that one, but whenever I do watch it, that'll probably be the longest one. Um, there's also another documentary that I really wanted to watch called, uh, Satin Tongo. I'm probably mispronouncing that. And that one's super long as well. But as far as a movie that is really long that I have watched, maybe Gettysburg. This is a movie that came out in the early 90s. And my mom took me to see it in the theater. It was the first movie I ever went to that had an intermission. And it feels like you're watching a miniseries, really, it's, but put into a movie. And it's a, a very long, obviously, but it doesn't really pick up. The battles don't even start happening until hours into the movie. Uh, but when they do, it's just incredible. I mean, that uh, the battle on Little Round Top where he orders a bayonet charge, just goosebumps. And it's got all the big actors of the time in it. Jeff Daniels is in it. Martin Freeman. Not Martin Freeman. I can't remember his name. Um, Martin Sheen. Char Martin Sheen. Charlie <laughs> Sheen's dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's in it. Just a lot of big actors, although that, that fake beard on uh, General Lee looked a little weird. But, it was so big. <laughs> yeah, it, w it looked a little odd. But hey, it was 93, and making a movie of that scale back then was really incredible. Just You couldn't really do a lot of CG back then. Um, and I, I like even as a kid, you're talking a 10-year-old kid went to see this movie and enjoyed it. So I don't know. I was probably a weird 10-year-old, so maybe that's why. But I recently watched it maybe two years ago and, and really enjoyed it again. Still holds up. Recommend. Uh 
I, uh, yeah, I watched it off your recommendation a little while ago and, uh, me and my friends got so high at the intermission. We never finished part two. We had to finish it at a separate time, but, uh, it was good. It was really good. Um, I didn't really, um, it got me into that civil war game that I talked about a little while ago. Um, or maybe I played the civil war game first and that got me in the movie. I, I actually forget, but it got like, I don't really know that much about the civil war, the particulars of like the battles or what happened. Um, I just know kind of the, the footnotes like, yeah, uh, South was destroyed. Slavery, uh, kind of ended, I, I guess like officially ended, but obviously not, not really. Um, yeah, we had a weird period there. Yeah. <laughs> um, how did you feel when I called Martin Sheen the uh, gay dad from Grace and Frankie? Yeah, that was, it's funny because everybody always knows an actor as w- whatever they first saw them in. And it usually is more telling of the individual than, than the actors. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that makes sense. If you know him as that, but you know, uh, Martin Sheen, I mean, God, he, Badlands, that uh, Terrence Malick movie. Uh, he's been in so, so many things. But um, yeah, it's uh, the one I always hear. They used to say this on Mark Kermode's podcast. Uh, they used to always talk about um, you can always tell like how old somebody is when you ask them, who do you think Spider-Man is? Because uh, to me, Spider-Man is uh, Tobey Maguire. Uh, I, I don't. Who's the other the new ones like Andrew Garfield, um, that other guy? You yeah. know, I don't I don't really know. I just when I think of Spider-Man, I always just think of. Toby Maguire doing an awkward dance down the street in that horrible, horrible movie, which is the closest I ever came to walking out of a movie. <laughs> Never walked out of a movie in my life. Came so close during Spider-Man 3. God damn. Um, the scariest goblin for me of all time is the is uh, William Defoe as the Green Goblin. <laughs> yeah, well, it's William Defoe. He's just terrifying in general. He's <laughs> so scary. I, uh, I had nightmares about the Green Goblin as a kid. I really thought uh, a part of me, at least, really <laughs> dream me, thought that he'd be coming through the door with his whatever thermal fucking detonators and riding his little green evil hoverboard. Um, he's in that movie. Have you seen it? It is. Wow, that wasn't descriptive. It's called like Sin or or Hell or it, it's about his wife who wants to sacrifice him to the devil and it has like explicit kind of sex scenes i think it's maybe like a body yeah. double i don't know if it's if it's you're talking about antichrist yeah antichrist yeah. yeah and it's funny that you mentioned that because i hate lars von trier movies i don't hate any movies but i never get lars von trier movies every time i watch one i'm just like oh my god i hate this so much and he would want it that way because he either wants people to absolutely love his movies or absolutely hate them and i'm definitely in the hate camp um i just I watched Melancholia recently and it was like, oh my God, I just, I see what this movie's trying to do and I do not like it. I just don't like it at all. <laughs> and it's really long and I hate it. But uh, yeah, Antichrist, yeah, that had some pretty gnarly scenes in it. Yeah. The story about that one is they used a, a stunt dick in that opening scene where it's just like explicit hardcore sex. Yeah. Because um, Willem Dafoe is, uh, he's got a huge penis and he said it was distractingly big. And uh, if if they were to use him, so that's why they <laughs> used the stunt double in that scene. That's hilarious. Um, yeah, I watched that movie with my first girlfriend in in her basement when we were still um, fondling each other, and uh, she just laughed too many 
too loudly at the torture scenes and it just made me i don't know it was just uh just very off-putting to watch that movie and you know you ever watch a movie with someone and they react wrongly to like different parts of like of the movie that are supposed to be terrifying yeah that's the story of my life man people reacting to the wrong parts of movies first of all that's not a very good netflix and chill movie i don't know why that was on yeah <laughs> really weird. well she wanted it dude that's the you know it's just i don't know yeah, that's yeah. a red flag yeah <laughs> But I think the biggest example of that that I've experienced is uh, a movie called Tropic Thunder, which I absolutely love. I went and saw that in the theater two or three times. The first time was with my brother. And that's got, I love movies about making movies. And Tropic Thunder is um, is one of the best when it comes to that. And uh, there's so many inside jokes, like insider Hollywood jokes. And it came out in 07 when not everybody was really up to snuff on that kind of stuff. So uh, I would go to a theater and of course, everybody would laugh at the simple Jack parts and like the real goofiness of it. But then sometimes like people would laugh at like the, the joke about the grip or like some sort of insider Hollywood nuanced thing that not everyone else would pick up on. And like were if you? you were to watch that movie in, Holly, in a Hollywood movie theater versus like a movie theater, I don't know, somewhere in, in like the middle America, you'd get completely different reactions. I... I feel like that movie is the most referenced like people people love Tropic Thunder and they know so much about it. I feel like I've talked to a couple other people uh who who just can like quote every scene from the movie, you know, and like all the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. It's it's kind of like I've never seen this documentary but I've been trying to see it. Um it's called Into the Heart of Darkness. And it's about the making of Apocalypse Now. And that, that was a very famously uh, rough production. They went over, it, it was just like Tropic Thunder. They went over to go shoot it in some remote area. Everything went wrong. It goes way over budget. It becomes this huge mess. It was, uh, you know, it was at the height of this famous director's career. And he was really feeling himself, uh, Francis Ford Coppola. And it it turned out to be a really good movie when it was all done. Of course, a lot of that's due to the editing of Robert Murch, but um, I, I watched it for the first time a couple of years ago. I thought it was all right. I wasn't like totally blown away by it, but maybe I need to rewatch it. Maybe there's something I'm missing, but Tropic Thunder, I think would make a lot more sense to me if I were to watch this documentary on the production of that movie. Right. Okay. That, that does make sense. Okay. I'll have to watch Apocalypse now. And then I'll have to watch Heart of Dark so I can really understand doing my homework to fucking get Tropic Thunder. <laughs> it's such a film nerd thing to do. Like, to understand this movie, you need to watch these other movies. Yeah. Um, tell me about your dreams. What is something you are striving for? Dreams? Oh, wow. Um, I don't know. They're all pretty boring. Like, the, where do you see yourself in five years? Super boring stuff. I want to pay off my house. I want to become more fluent in French. And uh, I don't know. Maybe that's it. Like, I don't have a lot of super big goals. And maybe that's because I've, I'm a little bit older now. Maybe progress a little bit more at work. But um, nothing. Uh, watch, watch Shoa. <laughs> Check that one off. Don't think there's anything wrong with uh, those achievable goals. Um, okay. Ready for the rapid fire round? Yeah. <laughs> Very enthusiastic. Okay, let's go. Uh, invent a Soylent flavor. Um, people. 
<laughs> okay. Uh, have you ever pretended to be a man of people? Have you ever pretended to be a mannequin? Never. Okay. If you had to befriend a tiger, would you wear orange or black shoes? Black. Orange would be too distracting. God, obviously. Uh, say hello in a French accent. Bonjour. <laughs> say. <gotta> sing it. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's crazy that you said. I was just listening to. Uh, I'm also trying to sharpen up my pronunciation before we go to. Uh, or before I go to France. And uh, uh, someone. That was one of the tips. It's like, if you're not singing your French, you're doing it wrong. Uh, say pamplemousse. Pamplemousse? Yeah. Say, cherchez la petite bête. Cherchez la petite bête. <laughs> Name a famous French person. Um, uh, Francois Truffaut. Say the person that comes to your mind when I say Wombo Combo. Banana. <laughs> Favorite Heroes of the Storm hero? Oh, ETC. All day. Who is your favorite Star Wars character? Ooh, tough call there. I, I want to say Boba Fett because when I was, okay, this is not going to be a quick one here, but when I was really young, of course, Boba Fett was my, my favorite character because he was cool and mysterious and was only in the movie for like 30 seconds. Um, but then I got old and got on the internet and found out that everybody was, you know, their favorite character was Boba Fett and it wasn't really that special. So I don't know. I, in my later years, I'm leaning towards Yoda. Right. Boba Fett, too cool. Yoda, not cool enough. <laughs> um, what is the likelihood, in your mind, that our much-anticipated and half-planned Star Wars podcast will happen? Ooh. 50-50, um, if the people want it. And I feel like the people would want it if they heard our demo our demo tape <laughs> the, the first episode that we recorded dude people will want it when they hear your fucking outro that you don't want to oh it's so fucking good okay that is everything thank you for listening everyone you can find us at dealgaming.net for more regular episodes on gaming thank you to our patrons who pay us to interview casters they already listen to every tuesday if you want to support us, visit patreon.com slash dlgaming or visit our Discord and tell Bobby you admire him for his loud and boisterous joie de vivre. Uh, thank you, Bobby. Thank you, thank you. 